Hello and uh, welcome here to the second episode of the Jerry Joe Legion United Show. Um, I'm joined this evening by Sean and James and Debbie. Um, we're going to have a wee chat, Evening. obviously look ahead to the um, the big game tomorrow night against Newcastle. Um, both sides um, coming into the game, not really in great form. Um, we're not in great form, they're in worse form. So we played what was a little over a month ago, about six weeks ago. And we, we beat them 5-2, which was obviously a great result. So, Sean, what's your thoughts on the game? Are, are you thinking that we could get back to winning ways and, and get that elusive 2021 goal? I'd be disappointed if we don't, if I'm brutally honest with you. Um, I think that um, the predicted or expected changes to the most recent teams with Calvin coming back into the team um, will be... Um, <clears throat> Really good news for us. I think it's plain to see that how much we miss him when he's not available, when he's not playing. I think the uh, square peg in round hole experiment that we perhaps sometimes um, opt for clearly doesn't work in certain games. And uh, um, we lose a lot of the impetus, I think, um, with having um, the likes of Luke Aileen playing centre-back. I expect to see Lorente playing tomorrow night. Uh, Luke Aileen back at right back Dallas probably back at left back um, with Calvin sitting in front of them um, and given that I would expect us to to win the game quite comfortably as I said I'd be really disappointed if we don't because let's be honest about it they, I, I think personally they're probably the poorest team I've seen us play this season including West Brom if I'm honest with you not anybody else thinks of that um, what 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 would you say yourself, Debbie? Do you think it's a, a good opportunity to get three points? Yeah, definitely. I think we've really got to bounce back and try and get three points um, tomorrow night. I don't see why we can. Like Sean said, with with Calvin back, obviously that's a massive boost for us. Um, and I just think we need to go there, attack, and um, just get the three points and on his way home. Yeah, definitely. I think we start on the front foot, Jerry. Do you? Do you think we, you know, sometimes you can tell, I personally feel within that first sort of five or ten minutes of a game, kind of how it's going to go. We always need to start on that front foot. And I think, you know, doing that tomorrow, well, they're obviously um, a very defence-minded team, the way they set up. Um, I think we start on the front foot, push them back. That will, that will, um, that will see us, you know, see us good for the rest of the game. I generally feel that. No, I, I, I agree. I think that, you know, the, the more positive we are, the better we look and the better it tends to be. Like um, the game against Brighton there, I missed the first half. I was, I was actually on my way home from work, but I, I got home about half an hour into the game and I was listening to the game in the radio and it just sounded terrible. Um, but obviously the way we start, what, what's, your, what's your thoughts yourself, James? Do you think um, it's three points tomorrow night or do you think like we, we keep the, the points tally taking over? Would a point be the worst result or... Is it really we need three? I think uh, games like Newcastle, no disrespect, they're probably the games that you've got to be going and winning, to be fair. Um, not winning 10 games. I know usually with us that it <laughs> usually spells trouble for us because teams go and, go and beat us at that stage. But as Chef Sean and Debbie have both said, I can't see any reason why we shouldn't be beating Newcastle tomorrow night. But they haven't got really what I'd call an out-and-out threat. Probably their biggest threat is, uh, is Andy Carroll, which is good in the air and that's where we struggle with, with set pieces as long as we can sort of nullify that I think in open play I don't think they'll trouble us to be honest No, no 
I think it's an interesting point that you mentioned, Andy Carl, um, because obviously, um, as has been alluded to there, there's a possibility that Laurenti will make his uh, I'll make his first start for Leeds tomorrow night, and the one sort of problem that I can think of is like a lot of the time European centre backs aren't used to dealing with a threat like Andy Carl. Like it's the reason why Andy Carl every time an international tournament comes round. Like it's always like the England stick Andy Carl in the squad because you know he's something different. So, do, like, do do you think he is the main threat, or would you more be more concerned about um, Callum Wilson, James? Callum Wilson's obviously got a lot of pace and can get in behind defenders. Which again, if we're not on our guard, and as Sean said, too many uh, square pegs in round holes with with Aiden at centre half, and obviously you've got Stuart Dallas playing anywhere really, and Alioski as a left back, which probably is not really his natural position. Um, just talking to Llorente point, um, although sort of the physical side of Andy Carroll he might struggle with, actually in the air, what I have seen of Llorente, obviously in the game mm. in Chelsea, only the 23s and a couple of games for Spain, he's actually looked very strong in the air, which probably would make real make sense to put him on the pitch tomorrow night and have him man-marking against Carroll because I do honestly think that will be the biggest threat. Mm. Certainly, Callum Wilson playing off him. If you can stop that service into Wilson, uh, again, I think you've probably stopped their biggest threat. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with Andy, um, with Andy Carl, as you're saying there, but the Aguilar, it was interesting to see Bielsa's comments this, uh, earlier. Um, Sean, he was saying about that Laurenti was, um, you know, he thought that he was going to be a real aerial aerial presence and he was going to help with the set plays. Obviously, I think his goal, I think if I remember right, he scored the, the goal in the under-23s game was a header as well. So, yeah, do you think yeah, that will be Andy Carl in mind that he'll he'll be in that in the team? I think, personally, Bielsa sets up how he wants to play. And I think he picks a, t- I think he picks a team um, without giving too much consideration to... The opposition, and I think as he, he, I think he mentioned in his podcast, and he's sorry, he's um, in his um, uh, briefing today that he will set up and concern. He's more concerned about his own team set up than he is anybody else's. I don't know if Andy Carroll will play, and I don't think any of us will know. I did read today that that um, is it. Maximum, the guy that's been out for some time, is kind of fifty-fifty. He's not quite. Yeah, he's he's He's, he, I think he's played a. Um, he may have come on as a sub recently. I don't, to be honest with you, watch all of their games. But um, I think he'll be on the bench tomorrow. Um, and I think, in all honesty, the way that we set up, perhaps he would be a. Um, him and Callum Wilson would be a bigger threat than Andy Carroll. I think Andy Carroll, you know, yes, he's going to win a few headers, but it, you, know, you challenge people in the air properly. Um, and. He, he, they've got to create that chance for him to score, haven't they? And I don't think they're that sort of team that can create those sort of chances. I'd be more concerned with Maximum playing alongside Callum Wilson than I would do if Andy Carroll was playing. Oh, uh, yeah. Just interesting about the two. Sorry, go on. No, go ahead, Eric. Go ahead. No, I was say just about the two strikers because usually if they play with Carroll and Wilson or whether they play with Wilson and Maximum, we always tend to play with three centre-halves when, when a team plays with two up front. Well, I actually think we lose. We lose our best shape when we do that. I think we're yeah. actually better when we've got Calvin in the midfield screening that defence rather than... Because for me, he's the best passer in the team and you take his, you take his ability away when you, when you play him at centre-half. But you can be mm. sure that if they do play two strikers, we will play three centre-halves. And I do think yeah. that. 
that's when we lose our passing game, and that's when when we lose. That's when we lose a bit of uh, a bit of guile. Calvin tends to sit in between the two centre halves, doesn't he? And uh, but mm. I think the, the the positive element of that is is that then allows we we see more and more of um of luke Aileen and and whoever's playing at left back we assume stuart dallas kind of pushing into that midfield and narrowing that element of it and then obviously you've got the what the width from the two wingers um i do get your point though james he's you know he's a quality passer of the ball he's calvin and he always i say always tends to look forward and he does ping those balls out to the wide boys that we you don't we haven't seen in the last couple of you know the games that he hasn't played in that in that central role. I was just well, going to say the Brighton game last week. Yeah. You know they're saying the well, Brighton game last week was the same thing. How many times have you played the long ball? I've not seen us do that for such a long time. Obviously, it was just literally bypassing the midfield. I mean, everyone was criticising Rodrigo and Rafinha for that game. Yeah, it wasn't their best game, but you've got to get them on the ball to see the best side of them. Kicking it over their head for ninety minutes, you're not going to see you're not going to see their qualities. No, no. So I, I've been having a wee look at it since, uh, since Newcastle played against us. Um, obviously, the record is two draws and five defeats in the league. Plus, they've been knocked out by Brentford and Arsenal mm-hmm. in the Cup. So they're not coming in in good form. I had a look. They've played um, two strikers on three in three of the games and one striker in six of the games. I think that that will be a big turning point. And as, as James said... Um, the fact whenever we play, we play against two strikers, we go with three at the back, and I hundred percent agree um, with what I saying about whenever Calvin goes back in the in the defence, we, we lose something. Um, my wee theory is that whenever he goes back in the defence, and you've obviously still have Rodrigo, um, and he's you know his sort of mantra is try to support um, Bamford as much as possible, and I think it leaves Click really isolated. So, like, what, what what's your thoughts on it, Debbie? Would would you would you agree that the 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 back three is not really our way. Yeah, definitely. I think like you guys have said, um, I mean, Calvin, the last few games, obviously before he was suspended, were outstanding for us. Um, obviously, massive missed him against Brighton. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's the way we've got to go, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And take the so- uh, same result from six weeks ago. <laughs> Absolutely, I think we'll, we'll all just happily. Do you know what? I would take one now. I just get get three points on the board yeah. and take the pressure off a little bit. Um, yeah, totally. So with our team, then they were talking about. Um, it looks like um, Ms. Leah is going to be fit again. Um, I take like I know personally, I would I would have him straight back in the team. Um, would you say, Sean? Is there any reason that Casilla might might continue and go? No. And and anybody who knows anybody who knows me is knows that I have never um, been a fan of Kiko's. Never, you know. I was I I was fortunate enough back in the days, many many years ago, to play football at a decent level uh, as a goalkeeper. And I know I'm light years away from being a professional goalkeeper, even back then. But there's always something about him that that. From day one, made me nervous. From day one, I remember I was at Rotherham, I think it was, when he made his debut, and I was with a few people. I, I, I just felt then that he, there's something about him. I don't, I don't, I see it very, very typically European continental type goalkeeper, and there was something about him I didn't particularly like then. 
And I know he's had his good games for us and he's had some terrible games for us, but the answer is is no. <laughs> There's no way Meslier should not be playing tomorrow, in my opinion. Would, be would, there, be, would there be any argument from Linder Debbie there? No argument whatsoever. <laughs> I think we I think we all agree it's it's just Bielsa can be it can be a bit thrown and if he decides that he doesn't like that people have criticised Casilla or doesn't like that he's criticised he, he could very well be between the sticks but I think um, I don't think there's too many Leeds fans would want um, Casilla to be starting like I, I would watch a lot, of, a lot of Spanish football and like a lot of it like a lot of the people talk about you know he's, he's a real ex-Real Madrid goalkeeper but like he was really an ex-Real Madrid reserve you know he didn't really play very much for Real Madrid Um he was kind of like he really made his name at Espanol, and then he went and basically was a backup at Real Madrid for a while. And played the odd cup game and stuff, but mm. he's just not like my my dad in particular. My dad always hated him. Like he's just as soon as he just like, that's not a goalkeeper. You know the old fashioned thoughts. That's you know catch the ball, command your area. Don't worry about but playing out and stuff like so. Um, yeah. So what um, what would you say, um, James? Do you think there will be any surprises in the lineup tomorrow? I know there's been a wee bit, there was a wee bit of sort of worry on online over the mm-hmm. weekend that Rafinha wasn't seen in a training session or something, and people thought he was going to be dropped. Um, so do, do you think it'll just be more or less the same team as usual, or do you see anything different? Obviously, starting with the keeping situation again, I'm just the same as you, and probably majority of Leeds fans, there's no reason why Messi shouldn't be back in goal tomorrow night. Uh, I'm on the same as Sean, really, from, from day one with, with Kiko. He's always he's always frightening me. Um, he doesn't seem confident and you always tell the defence don't seem the same when Kiko plays as well. You can, probably between us now, we could pick out 20, 30 mistakes. So there really is that many that have led to goals in the last couple of years. I'll just probably just pick out two of them. There was Brentford away last year. He had nothing to do other than one back pass that was rolled to him he made a mistake for the goal. And the one that still haunts me is Cardiff at home. Um, just before Christmas, um, 15 months ago, 12 months, 14 months ago, sorry, when we was winning 3-0, they didn't have a shot on goal, they did nothing, and he made a mistake coming out for a cross, 18-yard box. They made it 3-1. And as you know from there, that kind of that kind of changed the game and they got themselves back and made it 3-3. And I think it's the typical European goalkeeper without being stereotypical. If he's got nothing to do, he has to find something to do, get himself involved where he doesn't need to. And obviously, nine times out of ten, that leads to a goal. Um, mm. And again, the, the game against Crawley the fortnight ago, the less we say about that, the better. Because I thought he should have done better with all three goals, personally. Oh, um, absolutely. Two of them. Yeah, yeah. totally um, agree. In terms of actually the rest of the team, um, Rafinha doesn't play. It will be interesting to see who does start there. I know, sort of in the start of the season, Costa started really well the first three or four games. And as soon as mm. they signed Rafinha, he just seemed to lose his ways. It's like he's throwing the towel in. And mm. it seems that Pervader seems to be above him in the rankings at the moment. So maybe if Rafinha isn't playing, Pervader could be could be the surprise starter tomorrow night. Equally, Hernandez has played left, right, number 10. So maybe he can come out and play out wide if, again, if Rafinha doesn't play. But it, it all depends. Personally, if Rafinha's fit, then I'll start him tomorrow night because he has got that bit of, that bit of spark that we haven't got, really. I've not seen any news about him being unfit, Jerry. Where, where did that come from? Then was that just a? I I think it was it could have been a it could have been a pure paranoia thing on, on somewhere online. It was um, they were showing. I think they had like an open training session or something, and there was a load of photos and um, Rafinha wasn't in them. So a lot of people thought he might, there could be a possibility that he's injured. You know, so 
um, or something that was like maybe you're talking maybe Friday. So it could have been, it could have again, it could have been photographed since then, you know. Um, mm. On what, uh, on what James says, even the the Cardiff game, um, with Kiko, and I think even like that game, like I think we had won like five or six in a row at the time, three 0 up. You're thinking that's another win, cruising toward, cruising, keeping going toward mm. the top, and that comeback, that's that sparked a real downfall as well. Like it wasn't even just that game; it was like we went then a few games without. Mm without winning as well. So, yeah, I think it is. A, like, you kind of try and ride um, the confidence and it doesn't inspire confidence in me. So, um, another player I wanted to talk about is he seems to be getting such uncertain areas. Some Leeds fans don't seem to be thinking he maybe needs a rest or think he, he needs, a, needs to be replaced for a wee while. Is Click, what would you say about him, Sean? I think he suffers in the absence of Calvin Phillips, I, I, and to pick up on the point that um, both um, <clears throat> James and Debbie made about Calvin dropping into a back line um, when we played sort of five at the back kind of approach, I genuinely feel he needs somebody. He needs Calvin Phillips playing behind him, and he gets. I think the balls he receives from somebody, or Calvin Phillips playing there. He's always on the front foot when he receives the ball from Calvin Phillips. He's always looking. He's spinning. He's turning. He's 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 kind of heading towards goal. He's got his, you know he's facing facing the goal. I think that um, the last couple of games um, when he hasn't had um, perhaps that um, behind him, he's he's playing facing his own goal, and I think he's playing a lot of balls backwards to the fullbacks rather than forwards to the wingers. Um, I, I I like the guy. I, I you know I know a lot of people think that you need to rest, but but then you're only looking at where we are as a squad. You, you, you I generally feel that ninety percent of us, ninety five percent of us, will know that team for tomorrow, and he may spring he may spring a surprise. He's playing what we all believe, and I believe he believes are the best eleven people that he's got available to him, and subject. Uh, other than an injury to Rafina, I, I generally feel that we we all know the the team for tomorrow. Um, who do you leave? Who do you replace Click with from the existing squad? Who do you, who do you give him a rest the for? Player, the only player you could play at the moment is James Shackleton. There isn't another player. But again, he's probably not you know, the same sort of guy as, as Click. No. Do, do you know what James? I mean, I've watched a lot of um, Jamie Shackleton as, as we all have. I genuinely don't know where he plays, what position he plays. <laughs> I watch him in the other. I watch. I genuinely. I watch him in the under twenty three games, and you know when he's play, when he not so much this season, obviously, but last season, he'll play right back. He'll play centre midfield. He'll play in that ten role. He'll play in the eight role. I've got no idea where he plays. You know, in in the same way that you look at the. You know, the 11 that will start tomorrow, they've all got what you might call, with the exception probably of Stuart Dallas, they've all got a position. They've all got this recognised position they play. I don't know where Jamie Shackleton plays. Does anybody? Not I, th I think, no. <laughs> I think it's interesting you mentioned Stuart Dallas because it, it feels a wee bit like he's kind of trying to, like he's similar and that he's a real bundle of energy. You know, he's mm. he, he's going to give you a full shift for as long as he's on the field and I think I personally think you know he is a central midfielder 
Um, probably, as you said, the number eight. I definitely don't think he's a right back. Okay. Um, okay. What one game? It was one of the games at the end of the season last year, and he sort of ran on um, like a deep run from from the midfield, and he, he got a goal out of it. It, it was, know, it was um, one of the games. I think it was Derby away. Derby away. Derby away. Last yeah. last game of the season. Best yeah. I've ever seen him play. That was the one that stands out for that was the one that stands out for me. And to be um, fair, he scored a brilliant goal in the last game of the season as well, didn't he? The home game. The night we got yeah. the championship. Yes, was, that's right. He scored a similar yeah. goal that night when he broke from midfield as well. Yeah, mm. he did. So maybe he's the only only guy you could swap pick out for. Um in you know, I mean the general consensus is is that you you give click a rest. I don't think he needs one. I think he'd be annoyed if you gave him one. If I'm brutally honest, um, mm. and you swap it for Shacks, who else do you put in there? The options are limited. I think one of the yeah. one of the sort of points that 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 you made there was that he struggles a wee bit without Phillips. I actually think it might be he struggles a wee bit more with Rodrigo, um, just in the fact that like sort of Phillips' role, you know, is to play deeper, whereas Rodrigo just in the last like sort of. I don't know whether it's some of the guys said there on uh, last week whenever we done the done the, the channel. And he says about like he he seems to have changed since he had that coronavirus, and he doesn't seem like he just seems to be in the periphery. <laughs> he doesn't seem to have the energy. And uh, what would you say, Debbie? What's your thoughts on on Rodrigo's recent performances? Um, yeah, I, he hasn't sort of done it for me yet. Me and James disagree about him. James thinks he does a lot during the game and his work rate's fantastic. Um, I haven't seen that yet, so I'm a little bit on the fence. Um, certainly when he is on the ball, it's exciting. It looks like he can do something, but for me, he's not getting back um, enough and he doesn't retrieve the ball and he doesn't do enough with it for me. I would sort of probably agree with that, but I'm intrigued. I want to hear... Um... I want to hear then what what James James makes of them. Then is to, to me the first the first question <laughs> is what, what was what was he signed for was was he signed to play in the position that he's playing or do you think at the time he was probably signed as a potential replacement for Bamford until obviously Bamford's hit, hit um, a good run in the Premier League. Where would you say? Well, I think he was probably signed as a replacement for Bamford. Certainly, as a as another option up front mm. anyway. Um, again, the first couple of games that he came in, I look at the Aston Villa game, I thought he was absolutely mm. fantastic that night. He, he completely controlled the game. So there's plenty of ability there. Um, we can all agree that he's not probably performed to the levels like we expected him to week in, week out. But um, this is where me and Debbie slightly disagree. I actually do think he does quite a lot of work off the ball. It does go unnoticed. I don't expect a player, maybe with that kind of creativity, to maybe work as much as he does. He hasn't done as much on the ball as I expected him to, but sometimes he, um, his sort of work rate does surprise me. Obviously, you want to see him on the ball more, you know, that's what he's going to be good at. But as we said earlier in the conversation, without Calvin there, we haven't got anybody really looking for them kind of passes. Mm. Again, we'll talk about Shackleton. Look at the Aston Villa game again. Shackleton came on after, what, 25 minutes, half an hour for, for Struick? And um, yeah. I thought mm. him and Rodrigo in that midfield were absolutely excellent. Shackleton was finding him a lot. Rodrigo was getting on the ball a lot. And we just seem to... Which things look different. So to be fair, yeah, he's maybe not hit the levels we all expected him to. But I think once he does find, you know, find his feet, so to speak, I think he will 
He will at some to my levels. It's, it's clear he's got ability. You don't play up front for Spain as their main number nine if you if you're not a good player. I'm sorry, I don't buy that. Um, it's just obviously we want to see it more consistently. Mm. No, I would I would kind of agree with that as well. What you're saying, you know, he, he is obviously a good player. It's, it feels a wee bit to me like he was signed to replace Bamford, and Bamford obviously had the great start to the season. You know, he's what he's maybe about a dozen goals. I think it is now. Uh, now all in, but. Um, it just it just feels a wee bit to me like it's like right well we spent thirty million on this guy we need to find him a place and he's he's very out of position and and like like if he's if he's in it and he's either a number nine or a number ten he's definitely not like the number number eight which is where obviously we're we're, we're playing him we'll obviously um but we'll not um have James and Debbie falling out about Rodrigo so we'll give um Sean the the captain. <laughs> That's tomorrow. Let's watch him argue about it. It's be quite funny. It's be quite amusing. But no, um, I, I see. I, I, here is tomorrow. Yeah, we'll hear it tomorrow. I, I kind of, um, I think the guy's done okay. I, I, I think there's a lot more to come. Um, I've not seen have what I would. I mean, I forget Crawley because I, nobody played well down at Crawley. But I've not seen him have what I would call a bad, bad game. I've seen a lot of good things. I like, I like, I, I get kind of enthused when he's on the ball. And I think he's always looking to make something happen. Um, where I slightly differ in, in perhaps other people's opinions, I don't think he was bought as a replacement for Bamford. I genuinely believe that despite an awful lot of other people's views, Bielsa absolutely adores Bamford. And absolutely. I, 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 I kind of, I don't think, you know, he went to the, the, the board and said, Look, I, need a, I need a replacement for Bamford. I'd like this player and this player has got an awful lot of ability and this player can play in quite a few different positions. And I think despite the fact that he's Spain's number nine, if there is such a thing, um, I can coach him and he can add to our team and I can find lots of different places for him. I don't think, I think he's, he's just a good all-round footballer and he's not in pigeonholed, if you like, in this, I mean, Spain, as I said, to use my pick up on my point there, Spain, cracky, don't have a number nine, do they? They don't really have what you would call a real number nine in the in in the way that perhaps traditionally a lot of other clubs or sorry other countries do. They're so fluid in their movement in in so many different um, positions, and I think he's a very very good footballer. He's 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 not a number nine. He's perhaps not a number ten. He's just a generally a very very good footballer, and we haven't seen the best of him yet. Do you not think that that maybe rather than use the word replacement, maybe the additional? Additional option to Bamford or additional yeah, yeah, option to yeah. number ten role just to kind of cover those kind of cover those different Definitely. areas where he can play because he can play right side, left side, ten, yeah, nine. I, I totally agree, Jace. I think he's bought him as a foot. You know, the club or Bielsa wanted him as a footballer, not as a replacement for anybody, as an alternative Definitely, to others. Yeah. You know, with Pablo, that's you know perhaps in his last season. Let's be honest about it. He may get another year out of him, but you know, there's a the role that how critical he's been to the team over the last couple of years. Um, you're bringing somebody in that can play that role. Let's let's be honest about it. If if Banford gets injured and he's out for five or six weeks, seven or eight weeks, touch wood, God forbid, and all that kind of thing, 
how do we replace him with the, with the existing squad? Do you bring you know get, do you bring Greenwood in? Do you bring Gelhard in? Do you, do you, you know do you, or, or do you play Rodrigo up front? And I think there's Rodrigo gives you options of covering lots of different lots of different areas on the pitch. That's you know how I feel. I think there's a lot more to come from him though. Okay, um, so just before we uh, before we move on from the the Newcastle match. I'll get these in. Um, each of these to, to give me a, a predicted scoreline. So we'll start with James. Oh, put on the spot there. I feel like we're going to see we're going to see a turnaround after last week. They're obviously not in good goal scoring form at the moment. I'm going to say we're going to win two 0 tomorrow. Two 0 mm. And what about you, Debbie? I'm going to go 3-1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we start on the front foot, we'll win comfortably 3-1, 3-0. Otherwise, it, it, it will be one of those, you know, swearing at the TV, winning 1-0. But if we start on the front foot, we'll win 3-1 comfortably. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. So I won't um, miss climbing all those steps. Sorry. I won't miss climbing all those steps. That no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so moving uh, moving on then from from the the game tomorrow. Um, there's obviously um a bit of news come out of the club today then that. Uh, there's a bit more money um, coming in. The San Francisco 49ers have increased their share in the club from 15% to 37%. And people are talking that it's maybe about an extra 50 million is being put into the club. So um, what uh, what do you think of that, Sean? Well, I think it's good news. Um, I think the money obviously won't come in. We won't just get a cheque written out today and a, you know, a bank transfer of 50 million quid's gone into the bank and, you know, we can go and spend it on what we want. That will be, it will be money that will come into the club over a period of time. Um, and I think it's money that the club will use to obviously redevelop the ground, provide us with, um, as fans, with better facilities, um, better facilities at the training ground, um, I think that's how the money ultimately will get spent. Um, I don't see us going out and buying a fifty million pound Argentinian number ten in uh, you know, in the coming weeks or months. Um, that money, you know, the money on we spend on players comes from other revenue streams, doesn't it? It comes from the TV revenue screens. It comes from the commercial element. But I, th- yeah, I think it's good news. I mean, what's what? Why, why wouldn't anybody see it as good news? After a struggle to understand that. My, my one concern about it would be that the um is it Parag Morath or whatever I'm not the, the guy who's now the vice chairman. The one thing that would kind of concern me is there seems to be a really good balance in the boardroom at the minute with like um Radrazani, Orta, and Kinnear, and mm. it feels like it, I just would worry in case it upsets that balance. You know that that would be my um that would be my main concern about it. What would uh, what, what do you make of the news, Debbie? I think it's fantastic news. Uh, quite surprised, really, when when it broke today. Um, 
like like Sean says, any investment in the club's got to be good. Um, certainly with the last sort of 20 years um, of investors that weren't really for Leeds United. I think obviously Red Rosani's worked really hard to get get us where we are. And, you know, he, what he's doing in the background is fantastic. I don't think we've been um, in such a good place for such a long time. So, yeah, I think it's absolutely brilliant, to be honest. And uh, some of the things I've seen pen penciled in, Rob, so they're talking about improving the pitch and um, the drainage system and then possibly whenever sort of things get back to normal. 50,000 um, seats in Elland Road. What, what would you what would you make of that if that was where the, the investment went to, James? I think it'd be money well spent, to be fair. And as, as Sean and Debbie have both sort of touched upon, you know, Elland Road itself needs quite a bit of, you know, quite a bit of TLC, shall we say. Um, certain parts mm -hmm. of the ground are very run down. And I think, again, with the 49ers, they have been proven to sort of enhance the supporters' um, games, etc., or the experience of the games anyway, certainly better facilities. Um, so I think the money will definitely go towards the new drainage system that, that you know, that's happening. That will take 14 weeks, apparently, which obviously I'm not sure how that's going to work during the summer, as obviously 14 weeks, we don't get that, we don't get that kind of break. And just interesting about the training ground, um, still hearing that they're obviously looking at building a new training ground closer to Wellham Road, which again, that mm. that kind of money could be used to, could use to do that. I do think Fort Thorpe Arch is a very good training facility. I think that's probably one of the better things that we have got, but obviously um, Mr Bielsa and, and the board want to move the training ground closer to Wellham Road. And you can understand that. You can understand, you know, why they want to bring it closer. But I think any kind of developments of the grounds, again, you can't, you can't really complain because there are some tired looking spots around the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's um, isn't the guy um, is it how you pronounce it, Joe? Is it Par Parag Parag? Um, is he not on the board as it is at the moment? I think he's he now become vice chairman, doesn't he? He was on the board. Um, he's been on the board since 2018, but he's now he's he's sort of a bit obviously a bit more influenced with the the bigger mm. fair, so he is now vice chairman. Yeah, mm. uh, but a bit, obviously it'd be interesting to see. I like, think going uh, from the actual being on the board to. Right, right, kind of in the midst of it. Yeah, I know. I know as you, you said there, but the, the facilities and stuff. I know they did. Um, the Forty ers obviously, they made a big, yeah. um, a big move. Um, I think they went. Was it? I think it was maybe. Is it Candlestick Park? And then they moved to the stadium at Santa Clara, yeah. um, which was you know, as I believe it's one of the one of the best in the world. So they're obviously you know they've got their fingers in the the pulse there. Um, but it's I think it is. It, it's good. Um, that the club are attracting investment. Do you know, as uh, as Debbie says, like a lot of the investment we have had, there there was always seemed that felt like there was an ulterior motive um, behind things, and it's just nice to have somebody you know pulling or pulling, you know, for our corner. And uh, ultimately, I'm looking at it as well, and I'm thinking like if they're talking about twenty two percent, and it's like roughly around fifty million, so you're roughly valuing the club at like. 200 somewhere between 200 and 250 million like and it's mm. it's obviously i think they were saying rad rosani like bought it for less than 50 maybe mm. um so it's obviously it's gone you know it's gone mm. it's gone well under his uh under his ownership so i am keen to, to keep him keep him involved as much as possible and it does seem that uh he wants that um i see as well he was talking about opening negotiations with bielsa as soon as possible mm. 
Um, so what, uh, like, how how long do you think that we can we can keep Bielsa for? Like, he's already been at Leeds more than he's been at any other job <laughs> he's had. Like, how long is he? Like, obviously, he's a long way from home, and but you know, he is just pure football. Like, and obviously, his age, I just. It's just it's a wee fear, but it's just I just want him here for as long as we can have him. You know, um, how how long would you say, Sean? Like, do you think he, he's going to keep for another couple of years? I hope so. I I I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Jerry. He's he's he lives and breathes football. Um, his family are still back in Argentina, aren't they? Um, I believe he's still living in the, you know, the flat in Weatherby. Yeah, is he? I'm guessing he's still walking to the ground every day or the training ground every day and doing all the things he's done since he got here. Um. I think he can stay here as long as he wants to stay here. And nobody really knows. You can't second guess the guy, can you? Nobody knows how long he wants to stay. He'll, he'll walk in one day and uh, say, I'd like to leave next month, please. That's the kind of thing he'll do. Probably. And, you know, as sad as it is, he'll, he'll go. But I think he'll, um, I, I'd like, I'd love to see him stay on forever in the day you know, in some form of role with it in, in the club. And, you know, there's somebody else that one of his prodigies is now, you know, he's managing the team and he's kind of in the background doing a little bit of whatever he is that he wants to do. But, you know, I don't think he's that sort of person. I think he's the sort of person who wants to be on, you know, sitting on his haunches on the touchline and and, and, and doing that until whenever he wants to, to pack it up. I think I genuinely think he'll do next season. I'll be I'll be astonished if he doesn't do next season. After that, depends where we finish, where we you know where we're going as a club. I think. I would, I would sort of agree with. Um, I think you have to like it. Sh- it kind of shows how stable things have been sort of in the boardroom over the last couple of years with. The fact that you look at like all the jobs that he's had, he, he tends to like just throw the head up. Like once they, they disagree with something that he wants to do, that's him gone. Like like there was La- the Lazio job was it like was he twenty four hours or forty eight hours or something he was there. Um like how how much do we do we back him, uh, James? Like do we if he if he wants like big money invested in the team in the summer, do do we go with it and, and potentially put ourselves at risk or do we have to do we draw the line? To be honest, I don't think he strikes me as the kind of guy who says, I want X amount of pounds. He's more of a guy, I think he'll say, right, I need this player or a player in that position or I need that area strengthening. I think he actually got a good relationship with Alter in the sense of he'll say, maybe in the summer, before the summer, these are the areas where we need to strengthen. I think we all sat here know that maybe a goalkeeper, a left-back and a central midfielder certainly pivotal for the Barcelona business. And I can just imagine Bielsa being the type of guy who says, get me players that I want for that position. I can't imagine him saying, I want 150 million to do this, or I want 100 million to do that. It just doesn't strike me as that kind of person. Um, I think the club deserve a lot of credit as well. Um, they have bent over backwards for him. Keith, as you said, he's had a lot of falling outs with the other clubs, sort of short tenures, because he hasn't got his own way. I just think that Leeds, as a club, Leeds as a city, it just, it just works for him. I don't think he'll leave because of his age or even leave because of his family being at home. That doesn't seem to really bother him at all. Um, I just think it will be when he feels the time's right to move on, he'll feel the time's right to move on. I'm sure like a stint back at Neil's old boys, there is you know, there is club. 
But again, I don't. I'm like Sean. I'll be very surprised if he wasn't here next year, and then maybe another year after that. But I do think we'd be sort of pushing his luck. Maybe we'd be able to have him any longer than that. But again, I'm like you guys. I'd love him to stay. I'd love him to stay forever, but it's just not going to happen. But again, I don't think that will be decided on things on things like money or you know or family. I think it will be done on basically if he gets his own way to a certain degree, which as we see with Thorpe Arch and the ground, and et cetera, et cetera, there's been a lot of changes been made over the two years that he's been here that obviously benefited the players, benefited the fans. And it's, it's, it just seems to work. Everything about it seems to work. And just going back to the question about the boardroom um, and obviously uh, him being involved in more decision-making, I actually, I actually don't worry about that because they've got a really good relationship hence why they've come on board a little bit more and I just think between the two of them I think maybe he respects what we do and I think maybe we respect what he does and I just think again it does seem to work and as Debbie touched on earlier in the in the video I think the club as a whole certainly off the field is in the best best state it's been for, for many a year yeah, definitely I think there's I think just like the last sort of 16 years of just automatically built a pessimism into us and it's more like it's like it's been so good over for the last two two and a bit years that he's been here that you're just kind of like feel like what what like something's gonna come here and someone's gonna gonna like it's not it's been too good for a long time what what's your what do you think on uh Bielsa's sort of time here Debbie do you think we've still got a good few years with him or do you think that we're maybe into the sort of period where he, where he might be thinking about moving on? I'm hoping he's not thinking of moving on. Um, he's been a saviour for us, to be honest. Um, two, two sort of times where I felt nervous when um, when he um, called the press conference, um, you know, when the Spygate thing came out and he did, did the press conference. So obviously, I think I was driving home from work and we we're going to be a press conference and it was like, oh my God, he's leaving. I can't believe he's going to go sort of thing. And then obviously all the Spygate thing came out. And then obviously when we did get promoted, it was a few months before he'd sort of commit. There was nothing coming out of the club that he was going to sign. I was quite nervous that he'd done the job and then he was going to leave. So again, but I think the guy is just so relaxed and so happy at Leeds. I do think he's fallen in love with the club and the supporters. Um, I think, like James says, I don't think he's one of these managers that demands things. I think he talks through the things. Um, and I think he's got a really good um, a good carry-on with, 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 the, with the club, with Rebrizani and Arta and Kinnear, and I think he loves the fans. I'd love him to be here, hopefully, next season when the fans are back in the grounds, because I think, you know, Leeds hopefully in the Premier League still. Um and the fans there will be absolutely amazing. Obviously, we're all missing out now. And I think, you know, um, yeah, I'd love him to stay as long as he can. I think, for me, I don't think he'd go anywhere um, at the moment. I just hope his health-wise, he stays fit and, and healthy. Um, and, yeah, yeah, hopefully a few more years. Yeah. Just an interesting point, actually, about the contract in the summer. I don't know how you guys felt, but Jerry and Sean. He seemed to be at Thorpe Arch every single day. As Sean said, walking from Weatherby every day, um, always in his tracksuit. There was never, although we all wanted him to sign, and I think we all felt a bit that bit of anxiety that he hadn't put pen to paper, but 
the fact he was taking the training every day, the fact he was around the club, the fact that the club kept saying it will get done, it will get done. But I think the press conference for the Liverpool game, we all just had a big sigh of relief when he'd said that he'd signed on the dotted line. It's a shame we couldn't maybe time down to a, a two-year contract rather than that one-year rolling that it seems to be. But it seems to be the way that he, he does things. I think if you tied him down to a two-year one, um, James, anyway, and he decided next year to walk away from it, he'd, he'd just walk anyway. You know, he 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 will decide when I think oh, he wants. Yeah, he, he'll decide when he wants to go. Um, he could sign a four-year deal, um, which would, you know, he, he could leave after 12 months if he just felt, you know, I've done my best and I'm going to hand it over to somebody else now. But he, he's just, you know, can you even begin to imagine us? Um, thankfully, I was away on holiday, going to Old Trafford and getting Dick 6-2 and not wanting to sack the manager afterwards. When, I mean, seriously, not since Don Revy's been the manager has anybody gone to Old Trafford and got Dick 6-2 and not, you know, um, 30,000, 40,000 Leeds fans basically, you know, suggesting in some form of, of um, a manner, sack the manager. I mean, we just came away from it and just shrugged the shoulders, thought, right, who are we playing next, didn't we? I mean, I did. Anybody else? Disappointing, but hey, never, never once thought in a million years. Um, oh, the managers. I, don't get me wrong. I, I, I sometimes question in my own head what on earth he's doing, um, as we all do, probably, and we're probably all entitled to do. Um, but probably somewhere in the back of his mind, there's 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 a mad rationale rationale for doing so, isn't there? I don't know. <laughs> but he's got enough credit in the bank with me, anyway. <laughs> I think the, the law, the yeah, law it's an interesting Robert. point actually you say because the... sorry go ahead yeah sorry I was just going to say that it's, it's quite interesting what you say Sean about that about the sometimes questioning I do see a lot of people say oh you can't question him because he's Bielsa or, or you can't say this because mm. it's Bielsa I do think anybody's open to criticism we all know you know he's been a god for us the last two years he's turned the club around there's no doubt about that but that doesn't doesn't stop you maybe some games thinking, why has he done that? Why has he done that? We need to maybe show a little bit more respect here. Why did he make the three subs at half-time against Crawley? It's just human yeah. nature to ask them kind of questions. I don't think there's anything anything wrong with even questioning the great Bielsa. I really don't. No, I totally agree with you. Totally agree. Um, yeah. Just okay, so... Don't piss him off, James, will you? Make, you know, so he, so he yeah. leaves. No, no, I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, all, all the board are all behaving themselves and all do it, bending over backwards, and there's James. It's just, you know, I we're going to just, just annoy him and get him. He'll throw the, throw the toys out. But before um, <laughs> before we uh, before we finish up, then um, we'll just have a, a quick brief um, chat about it. The, the rumours and the stories about um, high levels of salty tears in the Thames um, at West London there with the news that Frank Lampard has left Chelsea. I, t- I, take, it we're, I take it we're not sympathetic. Oof, no, no. no I'm, 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 um, I've got, <laughs> Absolutely not. No, it's, it's up there with... Um, no, I've got no sympathy whatsoever. I have to be careful what I say. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, 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 I genuinely think I can't remember going. I'm trying generally to think of somebody that you can compare it with who, who has become a manager. What now for 
what he had 18 months of no two and two and a bit years hasn't he yeah two and a bit years Chelsea. yeah and what 12 months of derby I, and somebody who who lacks humility in the way that he does he's arrogant and you know a sense of kind of self-entitlement i've never i can't i generally can't think of anybody um in a similar vein that's currently managing a football team it, it, you know such, such as he's got this self this sense of self-entitlement because i I'm, i was a very good footballer and i played for my country i won a lot of trophies so therefore you respect me for that and and, and nothing else I, I don't can't think of anybody else like that i genuinely can't Right. Can you clarify what you mean about him, Sean? Sorry? <laughs> Say that again. Sorry, James. Said, can you just clarify your feelings on Frank Lampard? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they would be here a lot longer than seven o'clock, though, probably. <laughs> he, um, I think it's quite interesting that, like, it, it feels like whenever he went into management, he took, obviously, the derby job, and then... He got that Chelsea job, so it kind of, it kind of feels like there's nowhere for it. Like it, like you can kind of see like John Terry went to Aston Villa, um, was assistant for a while. Like he'll maybe go and actually learn the game and then go into coaching. But it just felt like Lampard. It was just like right, I've got three years to do everything that I'm wanting to do in management, and I just want to get it all done. Like he was nowhere near qualified to take take that Chelsea job, and he got the job. In fairness to him, I thought he'd done okay. In the the first season, it got them fourth, got to the FA Cup final. But mm. this season, like the whole structure of the club, like they went out and spent all that money. They spent far too much money on too many players. If you're going to be like go out and buy two or three players, but they went out and signed far too many, and he just hasn't. Like, he, he didn't. There was too many changes. I was looking at it earlier. He, he used twenty seven players in what eighteen games or something so far. Like like that's ridiculous. It's like the players need to be players need continuity. Like from a Leeds perspective, you've seen the game against Crawley and certain players that weren't playing regularly, um, you know, are good players and they're better than the players that Crawley have. But the lack of games was hurting them. And I think that, you know, that's a lot of what, what Chelsea's problem was. Um, but I just I just think like it wasn't that long ago that Twitter was full of um, Bielsa's nominated for World Manager of the Year, whatever it was, and uh, there's Frank Lampard sitting second or third or first, wherever he was in the Premier League at the time. English managers being ignored again, and then you know we're sitting here six, seven weeks later, and he's been sacked. It's just I just think it's funny to be honest. Mm. It's, it's not unsurprising though with Chelsea as a club. It's interesting is it? again about the when he actually got the job. Go on, you carry on, Sean. Sorry, I think it'll go so, sorry, time. Oh, sorry, Joe. I was just going to say it's not unsurprising. Time not unsurprising is it with Chelsea as a club just doing it you, you know you just look back at the you know, people what was his name um, former player um, they, they won the Champions League and they gave him the first three games of the season Roberto Di Matteo yeah Di Matteo what he win probably won about 60-70% of his first five or six games the following season and they sacked him you know it's, it's just it's just Chelsea as a club but you know again Chelsea as a club need to look at themselves and say, well, why did we appoint, appoint this guy in the first place? You know, was he the only one available? Any person available? And they've been sitting there waiting for the guy at PSG to get the sack and then they bring him in. You know, it, it, it's just Chelsea as a club, isn't it? And it's it's funny. And again, just one other point really to um, is that do you generally think that Frank Lampard 
went to the Chelsea board and said, I'd like this player, that player, this player, that player. And if you can get me those players, I can turn this into um, a premier um, championship team, you know, a, a winning team. I don't believe for one minute he was responsible for Timo Werner and all these other players that they went out and spent 260, 270 million quid on. Is the, the, the club buy them and say, there you go, Mr. Manager, there's, there's your players, get on and play with them. That's the way I view it. I don't know whether I'm you know, wrong or not, but it's the way I see it from the outside looking in. I think there's, there's two. Going on from your point with regards to, um, obviously, why he got the job in the first place, uh, Chelsea were actually under a transfer embargo at the time, wasn't they? Um, that's Ooh. maybe why they couldn't get anybody else. What, what kind of manager would they want to come in when they couldn't <laughs> spend or sign their own players? And uh, as you said, Jerry, he did do pretty well early on in them first few months, sort of bringing the young players through to Maury, Mason Mount, just to name a couple. But then I think mm -hmm. once they was able to spend again this summer, as Sean rightly said, I'm pretty pretty confident in saying that I don't think Frank Lampard said he wanted this player, that player. I think Chelsea went and got the players who they thought could improve him. And then it, it was it was talking to some of that they was looking for a German coach anyway. We obviously they signed a fair few German players and they wanted a wanted the German speaking manager. I honestly don't think had Chelsea been under a transfer embargo, Lampard wouldn't have been appointed eighteen months ago. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, you're probably right. Yeah. I think there's there's two interesting points about um, Chelsea at the minute, and it's obviously as you said, um, James, they wanted this German speaking manager. Now, the the first point is that these two Germans, obviously Werner and Havertz, that they signed, and I know Rudiger's already there, um, but is the answer to get the best out of two German guys who are struggling to settle in the Premier League to bring in another German guy who's never been in the Premier League before? Um, point, point number two is Chelsea, as a board, are very, you know, they, they don't they, they, they're quick to rush into the second people and stuff. Thomas Tuchel has shown on his two, his two major jobs. Borussia Dortmund, he was sacked three days after winning a cup because mm. he fell out with the board and at PSG he fell out with the board and was sacked what three or four months after getting them to the, their Champions League final so like it, to me it just it, it, like it's only going to end one way it's just like how long does it last and then who's yeah. next well, it's, it's not it's not a good way to, to be running for disaster mm. 100% 100% They'll probably win a few trophies in between doing it, though, won't they? That's the, that's that's the thing that winds me up about it. It's just that they'll, you know, they'll carry on buying all these top quality players. They'll get a, they'll get a manager in that just kind of, you know, crochets them together for a season, and then they go off and win the FA Cup. You know, they're still in the Champions League, aren't they? Um, you know, they'll probably get a, a nice little draw through the semi-finals or something of that. And it's just I don't know. It, it's it's. It's annoying and frustrating, and maybe there's a slight element of jealousy there. I don't know, <laughs> but it, it just winds me up quite a lot. So, that admit to that, sure. <laughs> yeah. I think it's. Uh, I think it is. Obviously, you know, it, it's easy. It's easy to be um, jealous of you know a club that's spending the amount of money that they are, and you know, ultimately, you know, if Leeds are going to, what what we need to do is we need to take the money that we get from this season in the Premier League, use the money, invest it wisely, come back the next season and improve and just gradually improve. And if we keep improving and we keep matching Bielsa's ambitions, 
we'll hopefully be going to places and hopefully it'll not be too long before we have a we have a trophy in the in the bag as well. Yeah. Totally so, agree. Well, the the game um tomorrow night, so we're twenty three hours away from the game. Um hopefully I'll maybe um I'll maybe have a, a word with a few few people and we'll, we'll maybe try to do something after the game. But um for now, um my massive thanks to, to Sean, James and, and Debbie for coming on and, and talking Leeds. It's always good to to get talking to fellow Leeds fans and hopefully, you know, the people that are watching it um, enjoyed it and, you know, sort of any questions for, for future episodes, you know, feel free to get in contact. But um, for now, thanks to the guys um, for, for joining me and thanks to everybody that watched and we'll be back again soon. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you, Brad. Jerry. Cheers, James. Cheers, Debbie. Thanks, Jerry. Cheers. Thank you. Take care.